welcome back to Hum Lab Originals where we meet and speak with people who are doing exciting and innovative work in the field of law and justice. In episode 4 of Hum Lab Originals, we meet with Indranil Chaudhary, co-founder and CEO at Lexplosion, one of India's first legal tech companies and a leader in the compliance space. So good morning Indranil, welcome to Hum Lab Originals. So good to see you finally. and thank you for taking the time to speak with us uh, before thank we you. get into the meat of the conversation as it were uh, would you take a little time to uh, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself who you are what you've done and so on sure so uh, i've always been a bit of an oddball so uh, you know uh, when i finished school uh, most of my friends uh, decided to join engineering and i decided to go to this place called bangalore to a institute called national law school which was then in its second year uh, to study law uh, nobody had heard of it uh, my parents and the rest of the family were completely aghast because we didn't know a single other lawyer probably uh, anywhere in the world uh, so that was the background and then once i finished law when everybody else uh, took up jobs through the campus interview process i went and joined the statesman as a reporter and then i moved from the statesman to the telegraph from the telegraph to ndtv and i did that for 6 years mm-hmm. and finally decided that i had enough of journalism so went back to law uh did that for some time uh i worked for a law firm golamatan bangladesh uh, which is now split up and uh, then i worked for uh, ge for some years and then finally uh, at some point a few of us would work in ge together some of us also had been to law school together kind of realized that you know there was a pain point that we were constantly grappling with in ge and that was uh, regulatory compliance you know especially in a country like india which is uh, so vast uh, so many different states individual states have their own laws so even for an organization like ge for example to even drive a a, a, a uniform leave policy which they had successfully been able to do in, in many many other countries was extremely difficult because here for example every state has its own shops and establishment act which requires different numbers of medical leaves and casual leaves and privileged leaves so if you want to give a flat number of leaves which is pretty large and you know uh, employee friendly it still doesn't work hmm. so and when we looked out as uh, you know as in house councils uh, to try and find uh, people who could uh, guide us through this we realized that this was not something that law firms were interested in generally litigating lawyers obviously not uh, so we were inevitably kind of uh, you know uh, in a position where we had to go to for the want of a better word probably you know local fixers people who work with governments and said we, we get it done for you mm-hmm. and that that obviously didn't work in you know a multinational corporation but also it didn't work for us as people and we said can't we do something about it can't we can't we build a compliance company you know mm-hmm. instead of calling it a law firm and eventually look at how we can merge it with technology and and take it elsewhere and and that's how we we decided to then start company of our own so that's that's the broad background so i've done a bunch of different things uh, mm-hmm. never really been able to settle down to anything this is the longest time. so this is the, the 11th year of explosion uh, as a matter of fact we just finished 11 years this is the longest i've been anywhere except in school where we were forced to stay from you know nursery to class 12 uh, but apart from that you know i've never been able to really spend more than 5 6 years anywhere so this has been my longest stay so that's that's basically it okay so i i can empathize a little bit with some of what you've said i remember taking the train the coromandel express from calcutta right. to chennai and people asking me you're going all the way to bangalore to study law why couldn't you just have done it in calcutta 
There's another thing that I think both of us share, but I'm going to ask you about it. Uh, so you did a bunch of things before you got into the law. And then mm -hmm. you're really one of the first people we know who switched out of law and said, no, I want to take up entrepreneurship. I want to get into legal tech in whatever shape or form that's taken over the years. How did that particular shift happen and why that? So I guess uh, my advantage for the want of a better word was that I hadn't really, you know, settled in as a fresher from law school into a you know, law firm or an in-house role and, and moved from there. So I had the uh, kind of outsider's view to the, to, to the, the legal world. So by the time I had joined my, my batchmates uh, from law school, had already completed six, seven years as lawyers. And I kind of, while on the one hand, I was, uh, you know, my ego required me to catch up with them. Uh, the, the, the fun part of me helped me, you know, take a step back and look at what they were doing. And, and I kind of felt that, you know, a lot of stuff that we were doing was extremely repetitive. And, and uh, a lot of stuff that we did could be done a lot better if we just put in processes. And, and uh, the advantage of G was that in G, uh, you know, most of the departments were extremely technology friendly. They, they loved in introducing technology. And as a matter of fact, in many of the legal things as well had already gone into the, the world of technology and people had started dabbling with things which you could use technology for. For me, that was the, that, that was the interesting bit that, you know, hmm. what can we do to take law to a space where, you know, it can be scaled up. So, so that was, you know, without having probably articulated it that well in, my, in our own minds at that point, that was broadly the motivation behind trying something else. You know, the, the typical law firm atmosphere, we, we'd kind of experienced that. We didn't want to recreate a law firm. I mean, we, we knew what it looked like, what the structures were. And also because in the Indian context, if you were to a plain vanilla law firm, there are problems of having a technology solution and then being able to market it for various, uh, you know, advertising rules, et cetera, that, that govern lawyers. So, so we decided to take the, the alternate path of having a, a legal tech company instead. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's broadly the, the reason I would think. Okay, so but, uh, you know, as you pointed out uh, earlier, the situation used to be that you used to find some local counsel, some fixer who would be able to get the job done. And that's what people were used to. Legal mm -hmm. tech was still a very, very new, fresh idea. How has that been for Lexplosion? Was it difficult to convince the market to adopt technology? Was it a smooth journey? Were there hiccups? How did that go? There was definitely a lot of, uh, you know, problem initially, at least with the technology front. So just to clarify, we weren't just bringing in technology, we were bringing in technology on the cloud. Uh, so we said we'll, we'll build the compliance solution exclusively on the cloud. So this will be a cloud-based application. I'm talking about 2008, 9, 10, when the cloud was an extremely new phenomenon. So obviously people were still using Gmail, but didn't even realize that that was on the cloud for them. That was not such a matter of concern, but compliance, you know, lawyers are naturally risk averse. There was a tremendous uh, pushback on technology and on the cloud. Mm -hmm. The advantage that we had was that there wasn't that much competition, at least at that point of time. Uh -huh. And we were not in a tearing hurry because we were bootstrapped. So we, we were not, uh, you know, funded by some large VC who was desperate to see us becoming $100 billion overnight. Uh, mm -hmm. We had the ability to take it at our pace and spend the time that was required to convince people. 
the advantage being that because there were not, not that many alternatives, people were willing to experiment. We learned as a process. So a lot of our initial clients were really large companies and they gave us extremely valuable feedback. And, and that helped us you know, in improving the product, in thinking about aspects which we had not been able to think through because we didn't necessarily have a view of all the industries that we wanted to cater to. So that helped. But of course, the, the, it remains a challenge even today, to be very honest. Just that India is so vast that you know, even if you capture a very small portion of the Mac market, or even if you deal with the creamy layer of the companies, it's still a very large uh, number that you're talking about. But is it a is it is it a you know easy uh, path now? Probably not. And in your experience, has it been that uh, it's slightly easier to speak with uh, management than it is with legal functions? Uh, is it still the case that uh, management functions are more open to new ideas and technology than lawyers or legal functions are? No, we, we still uh, largely depend on the lawyers in the you know. So we we mostly deal with the in-house. Uh, uh, with, with businesses, so we, we are a pure B2B organization, so we don't have any uh, direct uh, B2C uh, link, so we have to go directly to businesses, and in the businesses, we're either talking to uh, the legal function, the compliance function, or at the most, maybe the risk or finance function. Uh, the business typically does not have, even today, a very clear view on compliance. It's something that, in their mind, the lawyers are supposed to take care of. Uh, they don't probably realize that even without necessarily thinking about it, every one of them in some way or the other is dealing with compliance on a daily basis. Now, that awareness is probably a little more in organizations which are global where the compliance message is coming from outside of India and in many such organizations, it's a very strong message which comes in. So they're kind of uh, forced to think about it with a little more seriousness. But even for the largest of Indian organizations, the management you know, in, the, in that sense, the operations, the business, the strategy teams are, are not really thinking about compliance till the moment that it uh, hits you on the face. If there is a major notice, if there is a shutdown order or something like that, and then their first reaction is to go to the company secretary or the CA and say, you know, you have to fix this today. So, you know, is it uh, that we speak, to, speak a lot to the management? Eventually, yes, because uh, they, they, they control the purse strings. But is that the first port of call? In most cases, no. This is an interesting point, and, and I'm going to come back to this in a while, this sort of uh, dichotomy between uh, what management sees as essential business functions and what uh, compliance entails and what might happen when something goes wrong. But for the moment, 11 years expertise in the law, expertise in technology, business leadership, having opened up this market, having worked in it uh, for so long, what's next for Explosion? Are there newer areas of compliance that you're looking at or is there something completely new that we're going to hear about? We have already started dabbling with, uh, so I wouldn't call it artificial intelligence because I think that word is overused and almost, you know, becoming a little difficult to even explain what it means. But what we're trying to do is take legal logic and see how we can codify it. And uh, to make it down a little more, what we realized after some thinking is that, you know, however much we say that we lawyers do really difficult things, at the end of the day for a lot of stuff, we take a decision which is either a yes or a no. Now, I eventually, you know, I studied one year of computer science in school that was in class 10. Uh, but, and the only thing I probably remember from that is that, that the computer coding is, is binary. So they use uh, one and zero. So anything where the answer is eventually a yes or a no can be coded. So with this 
very basic rudimentary knowledge of computers and computer science and software development. I spoke to our in-house tech team and said, can we not do something using this logic that we use and see how much of the decisions that we lawyers are taking today uh, mm -hmm. manually can be codified. And we've managed to take that you know, first leap of faith. With a, so we have an enterprise software, but we also have a, a small and medium enterprise so a solution which we've come up in the compliance space, which is completely online, so which, which does not require any legal or, or you know, any uh, lawyer interface. The point being that a lot of what we believe is a decision that we're taking every day is actually a decision that we've taken once and for all. And unless something changes, that decision doesn't change. So if we can take more and more of these decisions into the world of you know technology, a lot of our time is freed up. And that's when we can do more interesting things. And uh, you know, to the lawyer friends in the law firms, etc., who who somehow always believe the technology is is necessarily going to kill some of their business. That's that's essentially not true because uh, there are so few good lawyers, you know, not just in India across the world. There's there's only a finite amount of time that they can spend, and the more they can take away these. Uh, you know, boring opinions that they keep writing on the same director's responsibilities under the Companies Act, the more time they will be able to get to do more interesting stuff and probably make many much more money than they're already making, which is which 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 is not probably a bad thing for them. So so we are trying to see how you know the things like those boring director's responsibilities under the Companies Act opinions, which every first year associate has written by the dozens, and you know, can be taken into the world of uh, you know you know artificial uh, thinking, so mm. that there can be a little more time for good lawyers to focus on what they do. We are mm. doing more and more of that. The mm. the good thing is that because uh, when we tried to get people in the from the technology space to work with us, uh, we didn't get uh, people who were really interested because we were you know we were these newbies in the legal world who wanted to work with us. So the good thing that happened out of that is that we've been able to create a bunch of legal tech software guys, you know, technology right. guys who have been working with us for the last six, seven, eight years, and therefore are focused on legal tech. So they understand our space pretty well now. So they, they come up with interesting ideas. We work as a team, we all sit together, we think together. So, so we are trying to do more and more of that, codify more and more of that thinking. In a, in a manner in which, uh, so I will, I will, you know, this is not AI. This is definitely not deep learning or anything yeah. as fancy as that. This is, this is basic. Just try to see how can our thinking be converted into software code. And we're, we're doing a little bit of that already, but we'll mm -hmm. do a lot more of that in the next two, two, at least one, one and a half years. Sure. And, and I think this, this idea has begun to resonate very strongly. The idea that there are two parallel systems, they're both rule-based systems. Interestingly right. enough, both code and contracts in the law work with text. And, and it only takes right. a, a small leap of the imagination to see how one can be applied to the other. But all exactly. of this interesting stuff is happening. It's been happening for so long. You've practically developed a new field of expertise in programming, which is legal tech programming or legal tech coding. And all of this is happening in Calcutta, which is unusual. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, yes. You know, one would think that uh, someone who's interested in compliance or in tech or in startups uh, bases themselves out of Delhi, maybe, or Bangalore, Bombay. Calcutta is unusual. How did that happen? So for a very selfish reason that, you know, uh, so with, uh, with GE, from, from GE, so uh, my journey took me into Genpak, which was a hmm. offshoot of GE. Hmm. And uh, for some strange reason, they, when they started the site in Kolkata, 
Uh, the, they made me an operations leader and made me the site leader. They went back to Kolkata and sent me to Kolkata. And it was meant to be a, a year, year and a half of uh, experimentation before I move on to something else. But once I moved to Kolkata, and this was you know, in 2006, seven, a period when things were changing in the city. You know, People actually started believing that there could be some industries coming in. There could be good things happening here. And that GenFact experience made me realize that there's phenomenal talent in this city. There's just sure. extremely good people. It's a complete lie that they're not willing to work and they all just want to just stay at home and, you know, uh, give Adda till, uh, till 11. They do that because they don't have an option. But if you give them an option, they're all very happy to work. And, you know, the good thing what we did in GenFact that, at that point is we said, you know what, we have to build a reputation for ourselves. So even if, you know, the whole world is falling apart, office will work. We will never shut down for a bond. We'll never shut down for, you know, rainfall or, you know, whatever. We will keep working come what may. And so that culture, we kind of drove. And that's something that we, when we started the explosion, we brought it here. So why Kolkata? One, because I was already here. So it was just the, uh, the easiest decision to just keep on being here for various reasons. By this time, I was convinced that talent would not be a challenge. We will get good people. So that was the most important thing in our industry and the kind of work we do. At that point of time, because by the, because Genpact had a software development team, so I saw that there were excellent coding people here. It wasn't like we had to every time lean on a Bangalore or a Hyderabad or some other city to get inputs on what to do. They, they came up with their own ideas, so it wasn't a problem. Lawyers, there's a big legal community in the city, mostly litigating a lot of the younger generation who are not uh, you know, keen on doing those uh, 10, 12 years of hard grind before they start earning enough to you know, get onto a bus, uh, uh, they, they, they were looking for uh, you know, a more structured, salaried kind of a mm -hmm. environment. So we grew slow, but we grew with local talent. Also, there's another group of people who are looking for opportunities, having moved out of Calcutta for various reasons, wanting to go come back to the city for personal yeah. reasons other reasons. So we ended up getting some extremely smart, young and eight to 10 year experience lawyers, techies into the organization over the first two, three years. The good thing was once they joined, once they realized that we were doing something interesting, we were, I'm a big believer that, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're doing a good job or not, if you're a good human being, life generally treats you well. Uh, so, so we tried to be good. I mean, without, without necessarily, we, we couldn't uh, give people bean bags and we couldn't give people, you know, phenomenal lunches and dinners. But I think uh, people realize that these are good people. They're not, they're not, they're not, gonna, not gonna mess with us. Uh, so they, they stayed on. So we have loads and loads of people who have done seven years, eight years with Explosion, mm -hmm. which is quite unusual in our kind of industry. Sure. Uh, and I don't think that would have been possible if we had started a, out of any of the other cities because the enticement to move is just too high because right. you know there are just too many other options that people have. In Calcutta, the options were limited. We were being nice generally. People were putting their heart and souls into this because they realized this was completely different from anything that happened. We managed to work with some extremely big companies in the first few years, which we continue to do because we were early in this space. Right. So that attracted people. They realized that these names, they wouldn't probably be able to work with if they were working in a local law firm in Calcutta. So all of that kind of worked to our advantage. So Calcutta was an experiment for more for personal reasons, but worked out over the years. So it's kind of now... Uh, stuck with us. So even if I want to move out of Calcutta now, I don't think I can. There are some of us who didn't want to move out of Calcutta, but had to. This is a welcome. I can understand. <laughs> First mover advantage uh, in the legal tech compliance space. First mover advantage in the Calcutta geography. Now, having seen everything that you have, 
there's a lot of talk nowadays about plurality of compliance regimes in the country and how much regulatory compliance one has to do with the data protection bill. There'll be these data protection audits and assessments and new sort of breed of data auditors. A lot of people welcome that, saying that it's a new profession. But as someone who's seen businesses, someone who's run a business themselves, what do you feel about the manner in which new businesses have to interface with regulation in India today? And is there something like Explosion can do to help in that space as well? Sure. Yes, we can do a little bit and we are doing a little bit, uh, probably not as much as we should uh, uh, because we can become way too commercially commercial minded and that's, that's a bad thing. But uh, yes, we should do a lot more. Uh, I think for new businesses, the biggest advantage is if you start early with just getting the basic compliance mindset in place, just talking the talk, just making sure that in every discussion that you have with the team, asking questions like if, if you see, see something in your marketing deck, which looks nice, just checking, do we have the intellectual property rights over it? Have we been able to, if, if it's if it's off the shelf, did we buy it? If they say it's free, just to ask that basic question, did you check if it's free, if you're using it for commercial use, as opposed to if you're using it for a, for a school uh, project? So just basics like that. If you see something which, you know, because a lot of law, I mean, and you, you know this as well, if not better than me, is really logical. If, if something seems wrong, it's probably not legal. And, 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 I don't think there is. There are too many examples of that not being the case. And I know with the Data Protection Act, the, 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 there are a lot many more nuances to say that with so much certainty. It doesn't be, isn't that much easier anymore. But at least with the basics, you would necessarily know that. You know, if I'm doing business out of some place, if I am hiring people, if I am not paying their salaries on time, if I'm not, you know, giving them at least one day of leave every every week, uh, if you're making them work every day till midnight and not even ensuring that they have some kind of transportation to go home, you're probably not doing the right things. You might not know how many hours of work you need to get them to do. You might not know whether you need to provide them with transportation, but you would probably think that this is not right. Sure. Now, if you start thinking what is right and just start doing the basics and say, you know what, if, if any lady is going home late at night, just make sure that she has some kind of transportation and make sure there's a guy who's dropping her home and that guy should be a good guy and not, not another potential sexual harasser. These are, you know, these are not difficult to figure out. So I know that, you know, setting up a company, you probably need some legal support. A lot of the other stuff is really about making sure that you're doing the right things. Now, yes, that's where what we can do and what we do to a certain extent is you can use a technology solution to just figure out what are the right things. So just by clicking a few questions, answering a few questions, you can get that list of things that you need to do. Now you can prune and say, okay, some of this is, probably a little far-fetched and we don't really need to think about it right now, but some of this we can do very easily. And for example, the, the Data Protection Act is not, is not law yet, right? The Data Protection Bill is not law yet, but the information technology has been law for many, many years. But even today, if you just do a random audit of you know, websites of even large organizations and look for their privacy policy, you won't find it. If you, ask, if you look for their grievance officer, you won't find it. Now, these are, these are basics. Is it enough to just have a privacy policy? Obviously not. Somebody needs to have read through it and make sure that that policy is actually being implemented, which is, which is the whole purpose of having a policy. Now, those are not things you necessarily need lawyers to tell you about or, or an explosion anybody else to tell you about. It's about knowing that there's something that you need to do when you, when you read about the fact that a Marriott hotel had a million plus you know, guests, data being breached, so many other large organizations. If you are dealing with data, 
especially in a in a, in an environment where you're dealing with customer data it should just logically make sense especially if you're a techie that there has to be some kind of security and i need to think about i can't just put it up on a server you know the, mm. just about anywhere and just hope that nothing happens now that doesn't necessarily need the information technology act but you know what the problem is babin is that in a country like india you get away with it so much more often than you get caught for it that right. you just assume that you can get away with it and you don't do anything about it it's yeah. not necessarily because the startups don't know it's because they know that they can get away with it because everybody else is getting it that's the culture and that and that's the problem that's where the problem lies absolutely i mean and, and we've seen this uh, poor regulatory enforcement just completely disincentivizes compliance it makes those people who are following rules feel stupid because everyone else is absolutely. getting away with it and and i think this is valuable advice i mean if you start developing a compliance mindset from the outset this future dichotomy between business and compliance which we talked about a little earlier shouldn't arise right one last question indranil and then i'll let you go and enjoy the rest of your saturday you've made this interesting amazing shift do you think law graduates today are equipped to do anything other than the law do, do you find in your experience that law graduates are eager to explore business opportunities are they prepared for it i know that you undertook a formal program at uh, one of the iims before you I went into yes. business is there something that law schools should be doing better in this regard okay so i'll break this up in two parts one is i think lawyers by virtue of the fact that most people at least till 20 years ago had only one option if you were a lawyer which was to go and litigate uh, had that entrepreneurial aspect to them built in because that is in many ways a, an independent journey pretty much from the beginning you don't have a, a a fixed place of work you don't have an employer you don't have a fixed salary poor litigating lawyers in our times didn't have a fixed salary for many many years in many ways that culture exists it's just that over the last 20 25 years with the most structured larger law schools having got these campus placements in 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 order people have got used to a certain you know large fixed initial salary and and things like that so to a certain extent maybe the risk taking ability has gone down over the first 15 odd years of after the law schools came into being but i think that's changing so i see a lot many more young lawyers writing talking wanting to find out what they can do uh, which is which is a good thing are law school programs equipped the answer is no i don't think law schools are focusing on building entrepreneurs if you are setting up your institution with the hope that you improve the litigating legal scenario in the country even then you owe them that just to be able to do their accounts on a monthly basis when they start getting their first client is an important lesson which we weren't taught about in law school nobody ever told us how do you deal with money you know how do you deal with time so the first time any of us had to fill up a time sheet it was just extremely painful because none of this was relevant for us throughout our five years of law school what we did was extremely important so i'm not taking anything out of the courses that we did but for people who are interested giving them many more interesting electives to choose from if somebody is really thinking of getting into legal tech i don't think coding necessarily is important and i from what i understand it's not necessarily even very difficult but to be able to architect the software requires more than coding it requires a, a level of being able to think beyond just the basics that you work on now that is something that i don't think you can teach it but you can you can direct people towards it by giving them certain skills which you know unfortunately law law, law schools are not focused on at all so yes 
I see a lot more younger lawyers interested. Some of them are already in that space and you guys in Humble Labs know that a lot better than me. They're doing excellent work as well, which is, which is wonderful. This extra bit of training, some guidance, some, you know, maybe mentorship would definitely help them a lot. Law schools will definitely have to start thinking about it sooner rather than later. And, and very importantly, as you pointed out, it's not necessarily only for people who want to go and start their own businesses, but this is, these are valuable skills that one might find helpful in managing their own legal careers and professions as well. Thank you, Indranil. That was brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Lovely meeting with you. Bye-bye. Likewise, Bhavid. It was wonderful speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about our podcasts. So do write in to us at originals at humlab.in. That's O-R-I-G-I-N-A-L-S at H-U-M-L-A-B dot I-N.